I don't know who you are, but welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. Sit back, relax, and listen about cameras, gear, settings, stories, and all things photography. Join Dermot and Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast. Let's go. And you're very welcome to episode 167 of the Irish Photography Podcast. My name is Darren. I'm flying solo this evening. Dermot is actually busy. He couldn't join me, but I'm happy because I'm going to be joined by somebody who I first met back in February of 2020, all the way back then when Armageddon was after hitting the world, there was a thing created called Clubhouse. And all of a sudden, I was coming across a number of photographers and we could chat on a regular basis. And one of those such photographers was this gentleman that is joining me this evening. So, Kenneth R. LaRose, I'm so happy to have you finally on the Irish Photography Podcast. How are you getting on, buddy? Hey, what's going on, man? Excited to be here. Yeah, we we met uh, during, I love the way you put that, Armageddon. Um, yeah. And here we are. Yeah. We're, here we are. Ask the, the other side. Man. And um, yeah, man, just excited to do the show. Talk more with you. We've never actually like chatted one on one, really. No, we haven't. There's always been other people in the room when we've been chatting actually in yeah, Clubhouse. So yeah. uh, I know we've kept in touch and stuff like that, kind of back and forth with Instagram since then. But yeah, I'm delighted to you know finally have you. I mean, the man, the myth, the legend, Kenny on the Irish Photography Podcast. So you're very, very welcome to the show. And I suppose, look, we're going to get into a lot of different things here in relation to photography and also you. But before we get into all that, just in case somebody doesn't know who you are, who is Kenny? Boy, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm a deep soul, Darren. I'm a deep soul <laughs> who likes to pick up a camera and document beautiful things. Uh, landscape photographer, astrophotographer. I'm a teacher. I run adventure workshops. I've lived a very strange life before all this, and I guess still during because I'm, I'm a nomad. I've been I've been traveling in this little tiny airstream that actually hooked up to solar right now, sitting in my kitchen slash dining room slash living room and bedroom all at once mm -hmm. doing this podcast. So kind of an eccentric soul, I guess. But um, yeah, man, that's that's like a little glimpse. But I imagine we're going to go a little bit deeper here. I'm sure we will. I'm sure yeah. we will. And, you know, you, you kind of touched it there. I mean, outside of photography. I mean, look, you know, we all go through different things within life. But photography is something I think which is really, really good for many, many people in many different walks of life. And it's always interesting how people get into photography. So how did you kind of get started in photography? Oh, yeah. Okay. Going back, let's see, I've been doing photography for, I don't know, man, eight, nine years now. Okay. And I first got into it because I was a bodybuilder for most of my life. And I did a lot of modeling and worked with a lot of photographers. And I want to sound like pompous or anything but i worked with a lot of photographers where you know i'd get in like this tip-top shape and they'd photograph me and it was like kind of the angles weren't so great and mm -hmm. and so i'd say half the time i would i would walk away going man i bet i could have done a better job than that photographer if i was you know and so i always just like had this this feeling you know that that um that photography could be an art form that I would enjoy and okay. accelerate in because I could see that there was like some passion brewing. 
there. And so one day, well, I, I ended up getting a camera as a gift and it sat on a shelf and collected dust for a few months. And I, there was, um, I had a Christmas party back when I lived in an actual house and okay. I invited people over and they were my, my two buddies, they were fostering uh, two kids and they broke out their, I don't know, iPhone two or whatever they had back okay, then. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, they're like, Oh, we're going to, yeah, we're going to take some pictures in front of the Christmas tree. And I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. I'm like, Hey, Oh, I got on. this thing, iPhones yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, I, I got this legit Canon over here, EOS 70D, and I'm going to break it out. I'm going to take these photos. So, of course, it's in automatic mode. I know nothing about photography. Yeah. Place the kids in front of the Christmas tree, and everything is dark. It's not doing what the iPhone does. It probably wasn't an iPhone 2. It was probably like a 6 or a 5. So it, yeah, it did yeah. some type of, of smart. Computational algorithm. Yeah. AI. Exactly. And so... So I'm sitting there taking photos and I'm like starting to sweat. I'm, I'm actually starting to sweat just telling this story because <laughs> it was such an uncomfortable feeling because I got so cocky. I mean, I'm just a jokester, right? So I'm just getting cocky, but I'm not really. Yeah, yeah. And the photos were terrible. And so I pick up my iPhone when they're not looking and I just take a couple pictures just so I have those <laughs> because I couldn't figure it out. And uh, fast forward a couple weeks later. And um, Rodney Logan, he's a photographer in Vegas. He had hit me up and he said, hey, my mom's flying out. She wants to learn portrait photography. And I had worked with him in the past. He's a, he's a very talented photographer. Okay. He's like, hey, can I use you as a model? And I'm like, yeah, of course. And I was like, well, hey, can you can I learn too? And he shoots Canon. So he's like, yeah, of course. So he explained what the settings were, you know, um, yeah, aperture and shutter speed and and that next weekend, I drove up to Big Sur. I was living in Vegas at the time. I drove up to Big Sur and I took 3,500, 4,000 photos over the wow. weekend. I just took photos of everything in sight at every different aperture, just trying to, to figure it all out. Yeah. And, and uh, the next week, I just hit the ground running. I bought as much gear as I could because I actually had money back then. And mm -hmm. so I spent it on all lighting and these big backpacks and as many lenses and all this different stuff that I thought would make me this. All this the shiny thing. things. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> I was, I was going to become this, this sought out fitness photographer. And okay. so back then, uh, again, Darren, I had a really wacky life. I owned a gay strip club back then. Wow. And, okay. Uh, and so I had a lot of, you know, fitness friends and a lot of my friends were Chippendales and, okay. Uh, and women in the industry. I lived in a high rise in Vegas. I mean, it was, it was like something out of a movie, but I had a just large, to say, yeah, yeah. I had a large network of, of attractive people for, okay. Network, you know, physically yeah. attractive, you know? And, and so I just shot, I shot three, four five people a week. I just became obsessed with, with getting better at it. Okay. And yeah. it wasn't until I started charging people and I started, kind of dealing with different personalities. And I realized like, I, I didn't really like photographing people. I liked mm -hmm. it, but I, I didn't, I didn't like the um, insecurities that came, came with a lot of the interactions. Okay. And so this is a very long winded uh, answer. But it's, I'm, I'm loving it actually. So keep oh, going. Okay. Right, great. And so, so, so fast forward, I took a trip to San Francisco, uh, traveled a lot back then, but not for photography. And I brought my camera and I started walking the beach. I forget. I think it's like Baker's people who are out there know. Yeah, it, like I think it's Baker's beach. Yeah. 
Is it? Yeah. 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 And so I'm walking. It's like a moody day. Little did I know the light was like super epic that day. But, you know, who am I? I don't I don't know what epic is at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I'm walking. And, you know, back then, again, I was a bodybuilder. So I see this like other meathead with a camera, this big, <laughs> big beefed up guy with a camera. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like like the nod of like, hey, man, hey, we're both you know, <laughs> competitive. We both work out. So I see him and and he's um, he's got this big like filter thing. I mean, it, I know it's a filter now, but it's yes, just of course, bulbous, yeah, um, thing. And I was like, "Hey, man, what's that?" And he explained, "It's an ND filter. It slows down the shutter speed so that you can take long exposures of the water." I'm like, "Oh, well, what is, what does that do?" And <laughs> so he's like, "Well, here, you want to try it?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So we 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 put it on there, and and I I just set the camera down. I got the rock. The the it's actually an iconic shot that I, mm-hmm. I didn't know time but it just kind of lined up so i set the camera down and took the photo and oh my god man it was it was like one of those photos that you see yeah, yeah. it yeah. was it was that moment yeah. where where it's it's like back then you know peter lick was my icon i thought yeah he was like this this you know um he had all Demi-god. these calories he was he was yeah he was he was the model of success right so yeah I would look at his photos. So I'm thinking to myself at that time, I'm like, oh my God, this is a Peter Lick photo. And, <laughs> and so, so it began the, the, the obsession to learn how to shoot landscape, which was funny. My network of portrait photographers had no clue how, how to shoot landscape photography. I mm-hmm. hit them all up and like, nobody was able to help me figure this out. I didn't, I didn't know there was workshops. I only saw YouTube and like, you know, YouTube is, yeah, it's 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 not like having a mentor or correct. You know, yeah, one on one. Yeah, YouTube is like a textbook. You could learn all the text, but when you go into the field, you won't know how to use them. So having the actual knowledge in the field is priceless. And you know that's the advantage of having, as you say, a workshop or a mentor or a workshop leader or somebody who can say, "Hang on, you may have learned this in a book, and it says F eleven ISO one hundred what." But the light is different. So what are you going to do now? And that's where I think the key of it is. And like, it's interesting you say it there, you know, to kind of to go through the differences that are there from photography to, you know, portrait photography, wedding photography, landscape photography, astrophotography, seascape photography, woodland photography. They're all different, but they all yeah. use the same thing, which is the camera. And like, yeah. I'm, you know, it's funny you say about, you know, the personalities and stuff like that. It's the complexities, I think, of photographing people, which is one that I shy away from because I always often said, I don't have to pose a rock. And you just mentioned that there you go lined up. There was the rock. There was the golden gate yeah. bridge. And it's actually, it's, it's quite apt in regards. To that. That's why I was saying I was loving the story because it is actually very pertinent to something that I would have experienced myself as well. So I think a lot of people would relate to that too. And when you say put on the filter and you look at something in the back of the camera and you go, holy I took that dude. No. Yes. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, this is my cat like this. I need that filter. Like, how can I, am yeah. I big enough to beat this guy up and take it and run? No, <laughs> but no, I mean, that was, yeah, that it was, yeah, that, that mind blowing moment, right? It's nuts. It's nuts. And you know, you've touched on it there, I suppose. But the other thing I wanted to ask you is what different types of photography have you dabbled with over the years? So like I'd say, you know, portraiture photography is, you could loosely call it portrait photography, but if you look at the clients that you were photographing, it's fitness photography, mm-hmm. you know? So what other aspects of photography have you dabbled in over the years? Yeah, I got into, um, and, and here's, here's like the beauty of photography is the more people that you spend time with 
and you hang with, you start to get a taste for what they're photographing. And I think that's like a key point of when you ask that question, I think about all the different people that I've spent time with over the years mm -hmm. that have inspired me to look at the world differently through my lens. And um, I mean, you name it, like you name a genre and like I've, I've dove in and, and wanted to like macro photography. Like I, I learned, I, I had to sell my macro. It was, it was, it was a hard sell to upgrade to, to a camera, but I sold my, I had a 90 millimeter macro that I loved, man. I loved looking at the world in just this, this tiny little intimate way where you look at little insects, mm -hmm. and little, mm -hmm. little, um, little shimmers of light somewhere that become so interesting yet in a world so vast, you would just pass it by. You wouldn't ever notice if you weren't looking for it. And I love macro for that, for that aspect. Um, you know, recently I've, I've gotten into looking at textures a little bit more. I don't, you know, I get inspired by seeing how other people capture textures because I don't think that my eye is trained to see things the way that some of these other really talented photographers are. Uh, like Shane Bloom, you know, I spent some time with him yeah. recently and just watching him, you know, I'm just like, what are you looking at, man? Like, and he's, oh, you know, I mean, you know, the Shane Bloom, well, you know, I'm just... <laughs> Uh, there's there's a few little textures right there and so um you know it's it's really fun to to hang out and just just kind of see it's it's not it's not that that you want to copy you just want to see what they see so that you can um you can have this this entrance to this new world like you just you just want to be in the world that they're in just for a moment get a glimpse mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. it and um so I've done a lot of deep. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. I mean, look, you've done different types, but I wanted I wanted to add on that is I think the advantage of spending time with others is quite rightly, as you say, you know, even if it's a case you get a small bit of inspiration from them or I often think about it in a slightly different way as well is if you've never smelt a flower before, but yet somebody's always smelling flowers, the first time that you come across them, you're going, what's that smell? Oh, I've always smelt that. Oh, that's amazing. And now all of a sudden you're you're now looking at this and you're listening, you're smelling this and you're going, this is incredible. Now, yeah. you know, that's where I think we can be uh, inspired by others. And I think Shane Bloom is a perfect example because, you know, he'll pick out something that nobody else would see and he'll get something and you go, holy shit, that's amazing. And you, you could have been looking in the same direction for 20 minutes and he's just gone slightly to the left or to the right and then yeah. boom. It's there. So I think, you know, um, spending time with other photographers and particularly, as you say, like, you know, if you've done all different types of genres of photography, um, it's clear to me which one has won for you, which is very similar for me, which is, you know, outdoor photography. And like, tell me, what is it about out outdoor photography that you love so much? What bit you? That's such a good question. Um yeah, what is it about outdoor photography? Uh, for one, I you know I I love a challenge. Um, outdoor photography. So I I think there's different there's different types of photographers out there. I think um, well, we all know like everybody gets into something for different reasons, mm -hmm. and for me it's it's the creativity. And I felt like when I was photographing people, I could be creative, but also not everybody saw things the way that I wanted them to see it, which is not, which is natural. Like that's yeah. normal. You can't yeah. expect that with nature. Nature doesn't, 
doesn't argue with you. They don't, um, you know, it, nature just changes constantly Mm -hmm. and it's, it's moments that, that you just won't ever get back. It's light that you'll, you won't get back. There's, uh, nature photography. It's just beautiful. And I love the challenge of going to places that I've never been. I've not seen, I've not scouted. I've not, um, part of what, what gets me hyped for photography is creating things that I haven't seen before, which, which is why y- you won't see a ton of iconic stuff from me. I, I just, um, I'll go, I'll go. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong. I think some of these places are beautiful. Like I've never been to delicate arch or horseshoe band or, you know, these, these really, um, popular. Yeah. Hot spots. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's not because I'm, I'm being snobby or snooty. It's, it's just, it's just that I, I'd rather for, for a photography adventure, I'd rather go somewhere that's a bit less charted. And I, I, I just feel more creative when, when I can do things like, like that. Anyway, that's kind of, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know what? It's interesting. I suppose just to kind of carry on from that or expand on that slightly um, is no successful artist has ever been given a canvas with another image and said, okay, put your own spin on that. They've always created their own view. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these honeypot locations, Kenny, they're, they're beautiful and they're honeypot because they're beautiful and they're a honeypot. Absolutely. Yeah. But when you, it's the creative mind that we have that says, okay, I don't want to be the same as the photograph that I saw a hundred times previously. I want to find something and forge my own path and create my own vision and try and see the world that I see it and put that into an image, which is always a challenge as a photographer. But when yeah. you can, when you can do that and when you have, as you said, quite great light, not moody atmospheric conditions, you know, a fantastic subject, then you have to learn how to compose that shot. Again, yeah. everybody can rock up with a camera phone and go head height. There you go. Bang shot. Right. Brilliant. But for you to be able to capture that shot in the landscape, that's what I love about it is that, you know, the, the nature doesn't have a bad site. Nature doesn't go, okay, hang on a second. Let me fix my hair before. Nature right. doesn't, doesn't care. Right. You, yeah. you, you rock up, you got the conditions that you're never going to have the same conditions again. And that's right. fantastic about the outdoors, you know? So like, I absolutely agree with you. You know, I mean, it's something that I'll always try and do. I'll go to the honeypot locations for sure, because I don't yeah. have my version of that shot. Fine. Sure. But I'll, I'll often, more often than not, 90% of the time, I'll go somewhere and th- there could be a group of people over here photographing what they're supposed to photograph. Right. And I'm gone this direction. Because yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. Find my own and find a different composition. So I think, you know, from the outdoor point of view, the landscape, you will never, ever find two shots the same. Well, okay. You will, but you won't find them exactly the same, let's just say, unless you're sure. stood right next to each other at the same time yeah the creative ones um you won't yeah there's yeah um, and and yeah that's that's the thing like i'm i guess i i just probably because i don't sell a lot of my my fine art uh, Mm um so i don't really look to kind of beef up my iconic shots because i know they sell they sell for a reason they're 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 spectacular yeah and i i would much prefer go going to places like that with friends or significant other or someone like experiencing those places and just have my camera. I mean, I'll take photos because I love to take photos, but I probably, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't fuel my, my passion for photography. 
Mm-hmm. And you know what? The other side of it too is that the landscape will always look different. Um, you know, different times of the year, different seasons, and mm-hmm. such like that. So you know, you can go back to the same rock inverted commas and you'll get a different shot each time and something that you know and i look at your photos in awe of a number of the ones that you've taken you know since we've virtually met a number of years ago but some of your images that you take you go okay you know what i can understand where he is and where that is but where it completely changes from the landscape which is something i think you're phenomenal at is when the sun goes down uh-huh. And when, it, when it's nighttime. So you've got exactly the same landscape that's there during the day. But now all of a sudden you've got this vast universe that's yeah, above yeah. it. That, that's always there. And like Astro is something that I think it's, it's fascinating. It's something that I've dabbled in, but I get frustrated with it because I don't have all the shiny gear like trackers and stuff like that, where I've got yeah. other guys that are using the trackers. But you can still go out with a camera and get Astro shots. And it's amazing. People go... Well, they always up there. Those stars always there. Yeah, they're always there. You know, but you're probably living in a city, so you're not going to kind of see them and stuff like that. So, how did you get started then in in astro? Because it is a leap, let's just say, to go from um, uh, landscape or nature or daytime photography, to then go nighttime. So, did some was there a eureka moment as well that you kind of went, Jesus Christ, how did that happen? Yeah, there was a guy um, when I lived in San Diego. Uh, his name was Ivan. And I remember he wanted to go to Anza Borrego and to get to where he wanted to go, he needed a Jeep and I had a Jeep. Okay. I never shot the milk. Well, I shot the Milky Way. (laughs) All right. So real, I'll just tell a real quick, funny story. I'm up in San Francisco. I'm up in Marin County, up in the Hills, visiting a friend who's got a house up there. And I'm walking outside of his house where there's street lights up there. Like you're up on a up on a hill. Yeah. Um, it's pretty mountainous, but you're in the city. Like you're and and so I I was again obsessed is a word that I use a lot. I use it in a good way. I, I think I think it's healthy to be obsessed with things that mm-hmm. you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. And so I was obsessed with with trying to photograph the stars. I didn't know the Milky Way is what I was going for, but I just knew that like there was something up there that I wanted to photograph. Mm-hmm. And so we're going for a walk outside his house and we're going in between street lights. So we're walking away from the street light and aiming it at the sky. And I'm just like, man, where are the stars? Like we're not in the street lights. And I didn't know what settings to use. So I've, I've literally been walking around in between street lights, pointing the camera off, stars. Uh, on my way home driving, I lived in, Vegas was I I think I was back and forth but I, I I was going to Vegas and there's this exit called ZZYYXX oh uh, yeah yeah I've seen that rec- okay. yeah I've seen something about that recently yeah yeah there's an old uh, swimming area in the very end of that one down that road it was in a swimming area in the 60s and 70s or something like that maybe I have yeah. no idea I just as I'm driving home my head's out the window and I'm staring I'm like oh my God, there's so many stars because I'm in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm like, all right, I got to pull over and like try and take take a photo. And so I I pull over, I, I walk and there's this cool little fence. You know, I'm just looking for some kind of leading line into the sky. Mm-hmm. And so I shoot at 400 ISO and I click it and there's stars. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> I go to 800 ISO. There's oh my stars. God, there's more stars. <laughs> I went to 1250. It was even, I went to 1600. I called my girlfriend at the time. I put her on speakerphone. I'm like, baby, baby, I got, I got these stars. Like there's this like line of stars. The Milky Way was out. The core was out. I didn't know. And I'm just like, <laughs> this is crazy. I have like, you know, this, this house light that's illuminating this fence just well enough to see it. And I have this, the Milky Way. And I'm just like, wow. And like I'm I'm on the phone with her and I'm just like, babe, I'm I'm gonna go two thousand ISO. Watch, watch. I'm gonna show you all these, but I'm gonna go I go two thousand, I go thirty seconds, and I'm just like, Oh, it's even brighter. You know, it's just yeah. we're just going like she's getting the play by play and she's like, Oh, that's great, honey. This is great. You know? <laughs> and so that was actually my first Milky Way. And and so leading back to Ivan when I was in San Diego, he was like, Hey man, I'm like, Yeah, I, I think I photographed the Milky Way before, but he's like, Yeah, come with me. Like It'll be a win-win. I'll show you how to shoot the Milky Way. You can take Jeep. me in your Jeep. Yeah. And so so he did. And we shot and and the editing and and I I composited like I think myself in there. It was probably the worst Milky Way <laughs> images you'd see on the internet. But um worked yeah, for you. Man, from that moment I was that was when I learned it. And then over time I just I just uh I just really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed going out at night by myself. I enjoyed um, I enjoyed just, just clicking and getting like, it was like that first time, you know, the play by play with my girlfriend. That was, um, you know, it, it, man, I, if I can go back to that feeling, I would, that, that was, that was mm -hmm. something really special, mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. uh, but it's still special now, now that I know what I'm doing when I'm photographing it. Yes. And, um, and the thing, like what you were talking about with, with the, with the shiny tools and the trackers, I mean, I don't, I only track a few times a year, sometimes if I'm hanging out with other people, but it's, uh, man, you can, you can do so much with just, just camera. I know people even do with their F4, uh, cameras. And, mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, you know, don't, I, I don't want anyone to ever feel discouraged that they don't have the proper gear. Cause I promise you, if you have a camera and a lens, you can go out and, and shoot the Milky Way if you're, if you're in a dark enough enough yeah. lights not unless you're between two street lights then don't try that well oh <laughs> yeah oh my god man so silly looking back it was because i was so serious we were both like i don't understand yeah. why isn't this working they say go to a dark place <laughs> i tell you an interesting one though was um when i first kind of discovered astrophotography there's a very good photographer that i know through the internet, but he's based in the Canary Islands and he was taking some phenomenal shots of the Milky Way. And I remember messaging him kind of go, Jesus, we never get that here in Ireland, you know, I was thinking that we were so high up that in, in the latitudes that we wouldn't get to see it. But the main reason why you don't get to see it here is because it's mainly cloudy for 90% right. of the year. So, you know, that's when I think that's where the frustration for me comes in is because I go, okay, it's forecasted. It's going to be a clear night. Okay, great. And I make a journey to somewhere and all of a sudden you might get five minutes of clear skies and then in come the clouds. So yeah. there's a difference, I suppose, when you kind of have it there and, you know, you got clear skies, you're you know, Vegas, desert area, you know, you're not going to have it. San Francisco as well as another example, I think, which is I couldn't get my head around when I was in San Francisco. I was there a number of times because I had a friend of mine living there. But every morning it would have fog come in and then by 12 o'clock, gone. Just yeah. burnt off, gone. And then you got your clear skies. And then in the evening time, okay, yeah, and the fog then comes in. But then you go across the Golden Gate Bridge up to where you were mentioning a second ago, and you can have your inversions. And I'm like, my goodness, man, this is just, oh, 
you know. So, yeah, I think I agree with you. I mean, like Astro is something that um, it's fascinating and it's highly addictive. Uh, even though, you yeah. know, you're, you, you've got the same sky, it's not going to change. You can get an interesting foreground. So let me ask you a question. What do you prefer? Do you prefer Astro or do you prefer landscape? <sighs> oh, and, and, and why, by the way, you can't just say yeah. one. I, oh, I want to know why. why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the why is always important, right? Mm-hmm. Oh man. Uh, it's like choosing between kids. I don't have yes. kids, but I can imagine. Yes. Uh, I think there's just different, different parts. I don't think that I, I can choose because I love the night sky. And I think, I think capturing places at night is, is really, really special for, for me. Um, because I think it goes into kind of like drops down into the, into the rarity, uh, okay. aspect, yep. you know, where, where it's just something that, that, that less people seek out because a lot of people don't want to go out at night alone or, uh, it's cold, it's dark. Um, the boogeyman's going to get them, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the reason it's is. Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I think if I, this is going to probably surprise you, but I, I think if I had to choose one, I would choose landscape photography. Okay. Um, okay. If, if I could never do one or the other ever again, mm-hmm. I think landscape, just because you've got sunrise sunset and you can do it all year round where, I mean, Astro, you can do all year round, but. I don't know, man. I, I just, I love capturing light and, Mm -hmm. and how light changes and conditions. And sometimes at night that can be a bit of a challenge, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that was going to be my rebuttal for you. If you had said that you'd prefer an astro, I could say, what about all the beautiful light that you get during the day, all the different variances of light that you get during the day and how much light itself can infect your soul when you're out there. And all of a sudden you get this light and it's like, I, I wish I had my camera. I do. Okay. Yeah. It's great. You know? So yeah, I think yeah, I, I agree with you. Look, from my point of view as well, I think, you know, uh, the, the daytime or uh, outdoor landscape photography is far more varied um, from an opportunity point of view. Yeah. And as you say, you know, you get, okay, sunrise light, you get morning light, you can get yeah. you know, moody light, you can get day, foggy yeah. light. Stormy. Yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah. Look, man, it's, it's close. It's not a landslide by any means, but if, mm-hmm. if I've got a gun to my head and I've got to choose, then that's that's my decision. And yeah, and you stand by it and you stand by yeah. it. OK. And on that bombshell, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take a very, very quick break and I'll be right back. I've got more questions I want to get more into about, you know, your fantastic airstream there. So, yeah, we'll be right back after this. If you're enjoying this episode of the podcast, why not jump over to iTunes or Spotify And listen to the back catalogue that we have of some great episodes where we talk about photography, gear, and some excellent guests along the way. Thanks very much for listening and for watching. We'll see you on the next one. And you're very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast. So, Kenny, like I said there in the first part, I want to get more into the detail of your life, you know, and you've lived as a nomad, as you said earlier on, for the last five years. That's incredible. And it's something that a lot of people would love to do. But tell us, firstly... About that journey how did that journey start yeah don't do it um <laughs> no, i'm just kidding uh how did it start it <laughs> um i was chatting with this girl she had just gone through a divorce her husband got the rv out of the out of the divorce 
And so I followed up with, oh, so he's like traveling around. She's like, no, he just lives in an RV park in San, San Diego. And I was like, okay. oh, that doesn't sound so fun. And she goes, yeah. hey, you travel so much for photography. You should you should buy an RV and live on the road. And I was like, what? I'm like, no, like people actually do that. I had no clue. Again, this is going back like five and a half, almost six years. So this um, nomad life exploded during the pandemic. But before that, you know, it was just and I'll go into how different it is, because I think that's that's a um, interesting trans um interesting transition into into life like just how how things have changed but going back so she you know she she had recommended me to or say that i should go and live on the road and so i asked her a few questions she said yeah you can camp places for free you can pay for them. i'm like what <laughs> oh, like, no clue and so i immediately I, I only owned a jeep at the time and so I looked at RVs and I just couldn't swing it financially. I just couldn't like, what, what was I going to do with my Jeep? If I get an RV, mm -hmm. how big, like, am I going to be able to get to places? And I didn't know that my Jeep could tow anything. I didn't know there was any towing capacity, but apparently there's 3,500 pound tow capacity. So nice. when I found that out, uh, cause I went to an RV place, um, they said, yeah, you know, you can tow 30. I'm like, Oh, I can. <laughs> okay. Let's see how big of something I can get at 3,500. And, um, yeah, they're, they're not very big at 3,500 pounds, but every time I, you know, I just started Googling, I saw this, everything that I liked was this Airstream. And again, like I had no clue what an Airstream was. Mm -hmm. um, so fast forward, this sounds like, this sounds like maybe like a transition of like weeks, you know, of going back and forth. No, three days later after that conversation, <laughs> yeah. I, bought, I bought an Airstream in, in Scottsdale, Arizona. Wow. Uh, I drove out there, never towed anything before. They hitched it up to the back of my Jeep and I pulled out. <laughs> yeah. And um, seven days later, I was living on the road and that wow. was it. Yeah. So there was, it really wasn't much planning. I didn't know that people actually did it. And, wow. you know, when she said that, it just made sense. And I was like, yeah, it sounds kind of cool. All right. Yeah, I'm up for that. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And so uh, I've been figuring it out ever since. And, you know, you mentioned here about, the, you know, the, with the Airstream. I mean, if I ever wanted to get something, it would be an Airstream. Why? Because it's shiny. It's cool. You know, it looks like something from the future. Yeah. Like, like, how is it? How has it been, I suppose, really, in relation to spending the last five years in the Airstream? Has it been everything that you wanted it to be? Has there been areas you go, do you know what? I'm missing this or, uh, or what? Yeah. Um... You know, there was definitely a honeymoon phase. Okay. I'd say the first two years, the first year and a half was kind of that honeymoon phase. I felt super cool because all my friends wanted to, you know, like, like you go through and everybody wants to travel with you because I have an extra bed. So this is a little 16 foot. It's less than 100 square foot. It's like okay. 90 square feet inside here. So it's, it's super tiny, but it does have a, a bed in the front. It's got a dedicated bed that stays down all the time like right now the front is is a table that's where you're sitting on okay and um yeah i wanted to get something that was photogenic and airstream was it i wanted something that was reliable and holds its value this is like kind of like what harley davidson is to motorcycles you know airstream okay. is to travel trailers it, it holds its value i bought it for 42k and i could probably sell it now for 45k you know, wow. and yeah, so 
So it's it's been uh, a good investment because, of course, I bought it before the pandemic, before the boom. Yes, yes. And um, after the two years, though, uh, I started, you know, working. Well, the whole time I've been working on my photography business and um, trying to be self-sufficient from that. And mm-hmm. um, that, I think, you know, I, I got to a certain point uh, about a year and a half, two years ago where where I just miss community. I miss, I miss a sense of belonging, something that feels mm-hmm. like mine. Oh, this is great. I'm on BLM land right now. So I don't have to pay to be here, but mm-hmm. also like after two weeks, which I'm getting close to two weeks, if I stay longer, like I'm wondering if I'm going to get a knock on the door, you yeah. know? So I don't, there's just like, if I stay in someone's driveway or if I stay in a parking lot or, you know, all these different places in between, because it's not like I'm in some glamorous location 24 seven, there's yeah. times where I'm just trying to skate by, you know, I'm just trying to like parking lot hop and go to the gyms and, you know, do, do that kind of stuff. And so, so that can get tiring. I also don't have running water on here in okay. here because I chose to go dry just so I can <clears> go into <throat> temperatures that are, uh, sub freezing worry about. Yeah. I don't have to worry about the tanks or anything. So I'm dry. Electricity is at a minimum, you know, no Wi-Fi. I'm using my hotspot right now for, for this podcast and using solar energy for From above to run the laptop. And yeah, man, there's just a sense of community. Like, you know, when you go to the grocery store and, and you say hi to your favorite cashier, you make sure you go in, in their line so you can say hello. And yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, going to the gym, just seeing regular faces, even if you don't say anything. There's just like, you know, you give the nod, like, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah, it's you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, yeah. Just, you just don't really have that, or at least you don't have it at first. What What is kind of interesting is that, you know, now going into my sixth year, I've kind of put this routine. There's, I don't live a life of routine. I never have even like, believe it or not with the bodybuilding, like how strict it was still, Mm -hmm. I still kind of like, um, improvise as I go. Okay. But the places that I go now, like, okay, there's a local coffee shop here where the lady knows my name and she named a bowl after me at, at there because I was such a regular and okay. I liked something. Yeah, so it's called the Kenny Bowl. So you can actually <laughs> go there and order the Kenny Bowl. And so, you know, par- part of the reason why we're just kind of going into, let's see, like the past six years have, um, you know, I've started to create that community in, in certain areas Mm-hmm. of the country so it is kind of cool like i go back to certain gyms where i'll hang out for a few weeks i'll see the familiar faces again i'll see um people at coffee shops and uh yeah you know some places there's like a bunch of places that feel like home now mm-hmm. which is really interesting but it still doesn't take the place of like a permanent and and i really do miss like the amenities of of electricity and water and Wi-Fi, yeah, and, yeah, you know yeah. all those like shower. You know, I had to. Uh, I've been bathing just like out here in the rocks over here with this like three liter shower system that okay. is set up, and you know that's how I'm bathing out in the middle of nowhere. So, <laughs> you know, just just running water on your face and your and your body, and it's uh, these these things that we take for granted that yeah that 
Yeah. That I don't, I don't have a, a couch to lay in, man. Like to sprawl out and just like sit there and have some big screen that you can watch uh, Netflix on or something. You know? That, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds so exciting to me. Well, you know, it's interesting. Like you said, there was a couple of things there were coming to mind. Um, like n- number one, you know, when you say in relation to um, you know, fitness and stuff like that. Is it is it the Planet Fitness Group that you're part of, or that you go to the different fitness uh, centers whenever wherever you park, or or what? Or do you just go to any random one? No, I have an Anytime Fitness, so similar okay. like Planet Fitness, but yeah, Anytime Fitness membership, and they've got them all over. So it's yeah, that's where I shower. And, and that yeah, ex- that's what I was going to say because that's handy then because if you're like I would look at what you said to me there. Yes, it can be a pain in the ass. Yes, you don't have a coach. Yes, you don't have a big screen TV. But you also have now a number of different areas, as you say, that you've got multiple groups of people yeah. that you can now rock into and go, you know, I know five people here. I know 10 people yeah. here. So you, you've got five homes as opposed to one home. But I think there's probably one one big one, right, I suppose, and you know, we take for granted is that if I've got a base, which I do in my own house, my friends can call to me here because they know I'm always going to be here. Whereas... For you, it's going to be a different situation. Well, when is when is Kenny rolling back into town again? Oh, in three months' time. Okay, can't call over him today to tell him my news or to watch a show or or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. So yeah, I think like you probably have the advantage that you've got a number of different areas to now call yeah. mini homes, if you want to call it that. You know, um, but like you know, you have got one person with you, and I say a person because you know we treat these people like us, which is your yeah. best friend, Sabu, your dog. Tell us about Sabu, because that is something I think which helps you, I imagine, to be grounded when you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, man. He's great. He's uh, he's my best friend. He's uh, let's see, man. I got him. I found him on the freeway in Vegas. Wow. Uh, well, a friend of mine found him. And then um, long story short, I, I was fostering other dogs at the time and and uh, my girlfriend at the time, she just she was studying full time for full time nurse um, in school full time. And so so she just couldn't like take on another dog. And and so I, I, I knew I wanted him, man. It was just like it was like love at first sight. You know, I just just yeah. felt so connected to him. I felt so bad for him because he was severely abused. He wow. um I mean, he, he had so many issues when I got him and, and he didn't eat in the same room as me for the first two years that I had him. I couldn't wow. get him to jump on the bed with me for the first three years. He didn't trust me. Wow. Uh, and, and I'm like the same way that I am here. Like I'm, I'm always just like, like, sure. I don't, I don't have like temper. I don't yell. I don't. Yeah. yeah. So he's never, you know, I'm very, uh, patient with him yes so I, I would just sit there with him for hours you know i just sit there on on instagram or, or 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 netflix and watching my phone and he would be pressed up against a corner as far back as he can get from me and i'd be you know three four feet away from him and you know every half hour or so i just kind of move a little bit um purposefully just kind of like lean over towards him you know not look at him act like he's not there but like kind of lean over and and, uh, you know, he would just get real stiff and was petrified. Wow. And so, um, man, he, he turned into like the greatest dog ever. Uh, he's, he's such a great companion. He's a little bit too trust, trustworthy now. 
Okay. Uh, to the to the point where, like, I think it, it's great. He's comfortable in his own skin, but he's actually developed like this bark and this this type of like aggressive behavior towards towards men and people. So I actually can't take him on the trails the way that I used to. And oh, when okay. I say like, I used to bring him everywhere. I used to. Uh, oh, I don't. Know, I don't know if I should admit this on here, but I put a service. You can cut it out if you think it's not. Uh, but I I put a, a service dog vest on him because we would travel all across uh, and in like some warm climate. So it'd be ninety degrees outside, and I had a service dog vest. And I would bring him to the gym. He was trained that as soon as my keys dropped to the floor, he would lay down and he would stay there. He wouldn't go say hello to anybody. He wouldn't. He would just wow. stare at me. He would stare at me the whole time. As soon as I pick up the keys, he stands up. As soon as I start walking, he walks. As soon as the keys drop, he lays down. And, wow. you know, people would come up to me all the time. They'd be like, man, how's your dog? So I'm like, he's a service dog. <laughs> yeah. <Or> he's not. <laughs> I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. It was support. convincing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it was... Um, it was really so so that I can get him out of hot climates and and he was so well behaved. And I talked to other friends, so I got the blessings. There was two guys that used to go to my gym in San Diego, and they had legit service dogs. And um, and so Sabu would always be in there, but my my friend owned the gym there, so it was actually a guy okay. I was in the room from. So I, I never like had to put a service dog vest on. Like Sabu was just allowed to be in there. Yeah. And um, and so I asked the other guys, I'm like, hey, you know, what do you think about this? Like, I'm going to be living on the road. Like, how do you feel about about me? Like, Sabu's not a service dog. But if I got a service dog vest, like, do you frown on like how how, how do you feel about that? And mm -hmm. uh, and the one guy was just like, dude, Sabu is more well behaved than most service dogs. He's like he's like, I wouldn't care at all. He's like, it's it's the dogs that are yapping or or misbehaving and not listening to their owners with the service dogs that I have an issue with. But yeah, I mean, if you're going to slap one on so that you can bring him into places so that he's more comfortable, then then yeah, man. So be it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm yeah, like, yeah. okay, cool. I got a blessing from a guy with a service dog. Okay, cool. We're, we're in. And so mm -hmm. so we did that the first few years. And then he started to get that that comfortability where I think that like these these regressed feelings of of abuse because there's no question about it that he was abused, um, and so I think I think he's like become very comfortable in his own skin and almost to the point where it's like it's like hey you can't hurt me now rough 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 like here I yes. am yeah uh, I'm I'm not gonna let anybody hurt me ever again because I know that nobody can now and. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And he's so, more comfortable in his own skin now knowing that he has his own voice and that he has you as well because you know your role uh, i've done a lot of learnings on dogs over the years right but your 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 role is that you are the alpha he's with you and he knows he's safe with you and such like that but when he becomes and says i don't have to worry here because i've got kenny and kenny's going to look after me now he's kind of thinking okay well i can look after myself as well now as well yeah. so yeah yeah but yeah you know that that's a, that's not a bad thing, but it's something that you know. I'm sure you are conscious of because you can't bring him everywhere you want to bring him because can't people do don't 
Yeah. Yeah. And you're not, you're not thinking about the, the, the dog as such, but you are thinking about your dog because he's your best friend and he's looking at me right now. <laughs> hey, Sabu. Um, but, you know, the big thing is that you have to be conscious about other people because other people will go, oh, my God, look, look at this dog here. He's barking at me and he had this dog and all of a sudden you're bringing attention to it. I get it. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, unfortunately, it's um. so. So. So the beginning <clears throat> there he is, Sabu. <clears throat> In the beginning of our you know, the first few years, it was great. You know, he was not a burden at all. Um like he just went everywhere. But now that he can't, life has changed a bit to where we've got to stay in cooler climates. Like I have to I have to be more aware of our surroundings because I don't have the luxury of taking him in places. Cause it's just, I'm never going to be that guy who has a service mm-hmm. dog best who brings a dog that's misbehaving or barking or, you know, doing Absolutely. something that he shouldn't do. And that's, yeah. Um, yeah. But you know what? The best thing about having a dog is that a dog doesn't care what type of day you've had. Every time you come back home, they give you unconditional wagging of a tail. It doesn't matter. You know, uh, there's no other human out there that could do that. Um, and they don't attach any emotions to the thoughts either. It's like, he's home. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and they're happy and stuff like that. And then, you know, after most dogs, after five minutes, they're like, okay, I can chill out now. And then they're just relaxing, but it's that <laughs> greeting, which is priceless, you know? And yeah. y- even if you go, and you're gone for five minutes, you come back in, you will be warmly greeted again. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the beauty of a dog. So, you know, I love dogs. I think dogs are fantastic. I think they've got a phenomenal personality and they've got a lot of uh, traits as well that most people, as in human beings, would wish to have. Dude, because, bro. you know, so dogs simple. are, yeah, they're brilliant, you know, they're brilliant. Okay, okay. so I want to jump back into photography, right? And something about your photography, never mind saying how great it is in the locations and how skilled you are in relation to fine art photography, but no, you weren't happy with that. You just said, you know what, I want to go another level, you know, and you mentioned earlier on about, you know, being obsessive and passive and passionate and everything else. Yes, but you take it to another level. So every image, is it every image or most images, you accompany an image with a phenomenal set of words, poetry. So tell, tell me, man, how, where did that come from? Uh, well, thanks. Yeah, it's uh, it is every image. So every image, okay. Every, every image has a photo attached to it. Or um, I I drew the line as I'm doing more like reels and time lapses, where I'm just like, all right, you know, these are like I put a lot of time into the time lapses and stuff. I'm like, I'm like, we're just gonna let these just speak for themselves, and um, yeah. But yeah, the so what had happened was years ago, I've been doing the poems now for uh, probably like five or six years. Wow. And yeah, yeah. So quite, quite a while. Oh, sorry. That's my carbon monoxide. Sabu hit it. There's going to be one more beep. There it is. Uh, that's okay. So yeah, like five, six years ago trying to figure out Instagram and trends and things like that. You know, you just, when you first get into a creative space like this, you're trying to figure out your way. What are you going to do? And the captions, what are you going to do in the captions? Are you going to tell a story about how you photographed it? Are you just going to, are you going to tell a funny joke? Are you, you know, what are you going to do? Are you just going to leave it blank and throw some hashtags? And Mm -hmm. What people were doing is they were using quotes. And I remember I had a friend who she would 
she would always put quotes and I was like, oh, let me try that. That's cool. And then when I did it, it, it just, it didn't feel right for me. It felt, um, I contrived. Yeah. I didn't want to use, I didn't want to use someone else's words to represent an image that I created. And so, and so I started writing really terrible poetry. I started writing words and thoughts that sometimes rhymed and sometimes didn't. Okay. And, and just like anything in this world, if you do it enough, you start to find a certain rhythm and pattern to it and you become more comfortable with it. You fine tune that skill and now they all don't suck. And that's pretty cool. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so um, as a result, yeah. So, so they, um, and I don't, I don't read, I, I don't really read much. I don't, I don't know a thing about poetry. I don't know what, okay. I don't even know what kind of poetry that I write. I don't know if it has a, um, has a label or it's just, it's just something that had, I just liked where it was going. And now there's like a set, you know, set of like syllables and rhymes that, that I do. And there's just a style to it that I, I couldn't tell you if it exists. I'm sure other people do the same, but it, it didn't come from someone else. It just came from um, natural progression of me writing and liking, you know, the different style but maybe just like the lady that named the bowl after you there will be a form of poetry created as well and named after you how about yeah, that i i doubt that what i'm doing is 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 uh anything new to the poetry world but uh, but it's definitely new to the photography world and i think look you know um like I'll, at the end of this podcast i'll give people links and everything else where they can check out all of your work but not only look i encourage people don't just look at the images Read the words yeah. for the accompanying yeah. image because, you know, you are very considerative in relation to it. And you're quite philosophical as well on some of them as well. And I read it through and I go, OK, there's a meaning within this. And, you know, photography is something which is phenomenal because it's colorful. Yeah. It's a it's, you know, it's, it's the world. It's outdoors and stuff like that. But, you know, some people are visual. Other people are kinesthetic. They like to touch it and stuff like that. Other people are auditory, like to hear it. But when you read the words that are there, it actually, for me, takes that image another level so well done in relation to you know putting those words together because i think it's something which is definitely unique and so i suppose look with that in mind you know like you are taking your photography to another level and you are adding your own aspects of you in your photos and stuff like that something else as well that you have really added to and i think it's something which is very important as we kind of alluded to earlier on is another side of your life so you're a workshop leader and you take people to some absolutely pretty insane locations tell us about that side of your life how did that start and tell me more about that currently um i mean how it started was was living on a road and on the road and had to figure out how to make money so okay. uh, so true story yeah. yeah 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 and and just teaching just sounded really fun and exciting mm-hmm. and i i didn't know whether I didn't have, it's so funny. Cause I started a business, um, uh, uh, with someone and it's, you know, we set up our first workshop in Oregon and we're like, okay, well, let's see if we can make some money teaching. Mm-hmm. And seven, six or seven people signed up for it. And we were like, holy shit, mm-hmm. 
we're gonna have to teach you mm-hmm. know, like you don't expect mm-hmm. anyone to sign up for it mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. like oh crap i hope they don't want their money back because we don't know what we're doing you know mm-hmm. we just, like have pretty work and and we've never taught so <clears throat> So our first workshop, you know, we just went above and beyond. I mean, we we tacked on an extra day at the end because we didn't get the Milky Way during there. So okay. uh, most of the people were able to stay and um, just the responses that we got were just great. You know, like some of the it was it was, hey, I've taken, you know, three, four workshops at this point and I've learned more in this one than we have. And I'm like, holy crap, like people actually learn stuff. <laughs> uh, because you know you you question your ability if you've never done something especially yeah absolutely paying, paying yeah. to learn from you like what do you have to teach mm-hmm. and the reality and this is what i tell people all the time is that is that no matter what level you're you're at you can always teach people you can always show people the things that you do and like i learned so much from my students just just from watching them and they'll have little tricks um just yep. in the classroom, you know, hotkeys and different things that they do. And I'm just like, oh, wow. Yeah, I can incorporate that into my workflow. Mm-hmm. So um, so as the years, you know, fast forward now, I, I think this will be the fifth year going into uh, workshops. And, you know, I feel uh, quite a bit more comfortable. <laughs> and, Good hope so after all those yeah, years anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just kind of, kind of fine-tuned and... Um, and you know, I'm going to make this sound commercialized, but it's because I believe 1000% in what I do. And I see the changes from people who come into the workshops. Like my goal, I want people to take better photos than me on the workshop. I want them to excel. I want them to, Mm -hmm. to learn. like, there's so much that I can teach when I, when I see people, even, you know, really, uh, phenomenal photographers walk through those doors and and in the beginning it was you know it's a little like why are you here but now Mm -hmm. it's the point where like i know why you're here because you know that i have something i have something for you and we may not be quite sure what it is but by the end and we have something for each other i mean you're going to um i learned so much through teaching and so that's another part that is fulfilling for me and and it's funny because i went through a really tough year this past year uh, not looking for sympathy here. Just, just had a lot of like business fallout and just some really crappy stuff that that okay. happened on the back end of things. And and honestly, man, it broke me. I've never okay. been broken in my life. I've never, I've never felt, I've never felt so down wow. ever. And uh, and like I've gone through life just like everybody else. You know, I've had crappy things happen and uh but yeah this this last year just just kind of broke me and i was convinced that i was never going i was i never wanted to do photography again i never wanted to teach and this isn't me like looking for uh you know i wasn't out there like telling people this this is you know these are my own thoughts these these are yeah this is truly what i believed um Mm -hmm. and and it's funny because I had a workshop coming up in Big Bend and, you know, we have people signed up and I'm dreading this workshop this past March because I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? Like, I can't fake, like, I'm not a faker. I can't, I can't mm-hmm. sit there and have a smile and act like I'm excited about photography when I'm not. I mean, yeah. this, I don't ever want to do this again. I wish that I wasn't even doing this workshop. I can't give the money back. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to have to figure this out, man. 
and and the students come and you know I'm, I'm playing the hey introduction hi guys you know yada 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 i'm going through the roles i'm just like okay this is gonna be tough oh shit we have to go to the location i'm gonna have to start teaching oh man okay <laughs> And we get out there and I kid you not, man, within 15 seconds of being out there, I was like, oh my God, I love this. This is like, this is the greatest um, gift on the planet to give to people is, is like, is bringing them to beautiful locations, but not just that, but giving them a creative outlook that, that they, that they wouldn't have had otherwise. And then teaching them some step-by-step processes to, to um to capture those images and then bring them into the digital dark room into the classroom and uh it was so interesting man because i was so low that i couldn't see that I, how much i loved photography and teaching mm-hmm. i couldn't see it and i was convinced mm-hmm. and uh you know thank god that i had that that workshop or i would probably still be in a funk you know i'd still be in that in that same spot but <clears throat> But teaching really is um, something that is a gift. And I think when you find a great mentor and a great teacher and at whatever level you are at, I mean, even my level, you know, uh, I hate the way I just said that. (laughs) 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 Like, I'm not, you know, I don't mean it. Yeah, dude. No, no, no. No, I'm not one of those people. I I think we're all equal and we're all creative in different ways. Um, I guess the accolades that I've gotten that make people believe that I'm at a different level than they are. There's just, you know, there's, um, uh, I have the confidence in teaching. So I think at that level, when, when you have that confidence in teaching, like I I know how to level people up and, um, but, but like I'm getting leveled up and it's almost like, man, like how powerful that is to find other people. Cause there are other people in like, in like business, you know, there's that, that Excel in, in, in so many different areas that I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I mean, even when I was bodybuilding and, and competing, you know, coaches, like I knew what I was doing I was competing at a high level, but you know, you, you just constantly want to be pushed. You want to be, be pushed. And, um, yeah. so, So anyway, so yeah, so I take people to really pretty places and, um, and we have fun and they learn a crap load because that's what I love. And, and, um, not the greatest teacher in the world, but get the job done. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, even reading between the lines there, Kenny, you know, what you do is you give them honesty and you give them heart on the sleeve. This is exactly what we get. This is what we're going to achieve. And you achieve that for them. And I think, you know, you get so many people and not necessarily say in photography, but just say in business, they're, they're bluffers, you know, that they, they, they talk a good talk, but they when push comes to shove they can't walk a good walk whereas you know you're doing both and you're helping people in relation to that and there was something that you know I kind of as I always kind of do is you know I knew you anyway but I said I'd do some more research before the podcast and I came across a quote on your site which actually epitomizes what you just mentioned there I think which is you know surrounding ourselves with other creators of all skill levels as well as other highly motivated photographers helps to push boundaries to unlock more of our own potential and that to me is exactly what somebody would 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 attain from a, uh, attending a workshop with you because you know um a workshop is something i think you know which people can underestimate because you know 
you you might get nervous before people arrive, but people are also nervous before they arrive because they're going, what if I'm the worst person that's there, even though they might have been taking photos for five years? What if they talk in a language that I don't understand? Or, you know, what if I show all the what ifs, what ifs, what ifs? It's human nature. It's who we are. But surrounding ourselves with like-minded individuals helps us to grow. So I think that's something that, you know, an honest approach to uh, a business and to a workshop and to feelings and to emotions, because don't forget, photography is also an emotion. There's an emotional connection to this black thing that we have in, in front of us that allows us to capture what we see in the landscape. So, you know, people that would attend a workshop, I can be sure of it. You know, I mean, um, even people that don't even attend a workshop that will go out shooting with other photographers will always gain something from somebody else. You know, looking over your shoulder, seeing what they're doing. Oh, okay, that's an interesting, mm -hmm. that wasn't taught, you know. So more and more people, I think, should go on more and more workshops. And I think it's something that, you know, you'll always be learning. You're never, ever, ever, ever stopped learning. You know, um, I'm sure like, you know, for argument's sake, you know, with your experience that you have. And I said, you know what, Kenny, come on over here to Ireland. I'll show you the wild Atlantic way. There'll be things that you'll learn from me here because it's my home ground. It's what I know that you're not experiencing and living and breathing it every single day. You know, so there's always opportunity to learn. And I really, you know, I enjoyed what you're mentioning here about, you know, the honest approach. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, everybody suffers from a thing called imposter syndrome. And it's like, I'm not good enough to do this. And, you know, I, I, what if they see me for who I am? And sure. you are good enough to do it. And it's human nature to, okay. to question it. Yeah. And it's funny you say within 15 seconds, bang, and you're off. Yeah. You're off. You know, it's like stage fright to a certain extent. You know what I mean? That when actors go on the stage, they're going, boom, and they're gone. You can't stop them. So yeah. how long did it take you to, to start this podcast? Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, like I could turn around, I could turn around to me and go, ah, you know what? No, I won't bother. I won't bother. Yeah. Sad that. Let's give it a go. Let's dive in and we learn as we go. And I mean, I'm at what? 167 episodes now. Yeah. And I still go, do you know what? I have another guest on here. Okay. And I always try and make it different, but I always, guess what? I, I, I get on the, on the podcast with you or it could be Shane Bloom or it could be anybody. And I go, okay, I'm chatting to a human being. Yeah. And that's the, that's the biggest thing for me is we're all humans. We have a connectivity and a connection as human beings. And, you know, I have a phrase I've said for many, many years, and I, it's my podcast, so I can say it on it is you know, at the end of the day, we all piss and shit the same. Yeah. Simple. You know, we're human beings. We may yeah. have airs and graces, but we're human beings at the end of the day. So, yeah, I love that, man. That was absolutely, you know, spot on. Okay, so what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take uh, a final break here uh, and I'll be right back because I've got three staple questions that I ask every single uh, guest and I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing yours. So yeah, we'll be right back after this final break. If you're enjoying this episode of the podcast, why not jump over to iTunes or Spotify and listen to the back catalogue that we have with some great episodes where we talk about photography, gear, and some excellent guests along the way. Thanks very much for listening and for watching. We'll see you in the next one. And you're very welcome back to the final part of this week's fascinating episode of the Irish Photography Podcast. So, Kenny, like I said, I've got three questions that I ask every single guest, and I'm really excited to hear yours. And the first question I have is a funny photography story. What's yours? Didn't we already go over that with the Milky Way in San Francisco? Um, uh, yeah, we did. But, you know, I bet you have another one. 
Uh, let's see. Um, all right. There was, there was one night in Lake Tahoe. I think it was by Bonsai Rock. And I shot Milky Way there all night. Okay. I want to say it was at 6,400 ISO. And I slept in my, my, did I have an Airstream then? I can't remember. I think I, yeah, I think I did have the Airstream. So I was, I think I rolled out of bed and shot Sunrise and went down. Um, and I shot the whole morning. It was a beautiful sunrise in 6,400 ISO. <laughs> I was so tired. I did. I didn't change. My, I didn't. I didn't see that my. It was so funny because it was like so blown out and bright. I'm like, why does it not look the same as weird? And um, why am I getting a one ten thousand shutter speed? What's going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. Yeah, now that I now that you say that, that's what I was remembering. I'm like, why can't I get long exposures of these of this water? Like I was just, I was like, this is so weird. I'm not getting any long exposures, and it's like blue out. Uh, yeah, man, that, that was that was. Uh, well, you know yeah. what? I think stuff like that happens to people more often than they care to admit. But thank you very much for you know telling us in relation to it, because I'm sure that people will learn from that. If you are out taking astro images the following morning, wake up and go. Ah, ISO. Bring it right <laughs> click, back click, down. click, 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 100. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. All right. And the second question we have is, what gear do you shoot with? Cannon, yeah? Cannon. No, you, said you shoot Cannon, yeah? Cannon. Cannon for life, yeah? No, man. I started with <sighs> Cannon when I didn't know anything. <sighs> and then, um, and I was sold this A7 when the A7 first came out. I was sold on that. It was mirrorless. It was, yeah, I know you're showing me your Canon. I mean, his Canon uh, camera. Okay. Just to play. No, man, I'm Sony. Uh, I've got the A7R3. So I'm still kind of like living with an older model that's beat to hell. And then I have the A7S3, which I use for time lapses. I've gotten a lot into, into time lapses. So. That's the gear, Nisi filter, slick tripod. Um, that's my plug. You know, if you need any, hit me up. That's uh, okay. I stand behind those products and um, and I work with them. So uh, yeah. And, and what what lenses do you shoot with? My favorite lens is the twelve to twenty four. I see the world very wide, so I love I love to use distortion to elongate elements in the foreground, to elongate ele elements out. Um, in, in the uh, distance. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, 12 is my jam, man. I love 12. Well, you know what? It's very interesting because um, I, th I thought you were going to say a 70 to 200 for, for some reason because, you know, the beauty of a 70 to 200 is that you can take a photograph in a well-known area and people wouldn't necessarily know it's that area because you're picking out a small thing in relation to it. But, you know, yeah, I mean, 12 is my jam and it's a good jam. Tastes well on toast. Absolutely. Yeah. And. Spe speaking of gear, I suppose we have a regular segment here, which is called a VSP. It stands for a very solid product. It's a product that you won't leave home without. It's always in your camera bag. And if you could put your name to it, you would put your name to it. What's yours? <sighs> Man, um, always in my camera bag. It might not be. Um, I mean, there's always food in my bag. Okay. So I think. Uh, for me, you know, I still have this bodybuilder mentality where I've got to eat and I probably eat way more than most people that I know. Okay. So there is always a protein bar or two on standby in my okay. bag. So I, I won't leave home without that. 
And you know what? A protein bar is important as well because it's going to help you. You know, it's going to help you on a long hike. It's going to be better than a bar of chocolate, let's just say. You know, it's going to have more of a function. And as you say, from the bodybuilder point of view, you want to have something that's going to help your body, you know, to repair and recover from a long walk and stuff like that as well, or a long hike. So, yeah, very good VSP. The first person to ever have a protein bar as a VSP on the podcast. Wow. I'm surprised. I thought everybody's brain is always wired to food, but... I guess, you know, an extra camera bat, but yeah, man, it's, or, or liquid death, man. I don't know if you ever, I don't know, you, you probably don't have this out. Is it water? It's water, man. It's, it's, uh, it's naturally flavored, sparkling water. There's no, there's no, uh, it it looks like beer and it looks like it has kind of caffeine in it or stimulants, but no, man, it's, it's just water. The elixir of life. I've become addicted to, uh, to liquid death, even though there's no addictive stimulants that we know of well you know what it's a good addiction water is a very fine thing to have and you know get rid of your bottles of cola or soda as you guys call them in the u.s yeah replace with water all day long all day long so there's my three questions really really good answers i suppose the only final things really and i can't believe we're at the very end of the podcast already i really enjoyed the conversation throughout but you know two final questions i have for you number one is what's next for you and then after that where can people find information and find you online in this mad world we live in man if i could tell you what's next for me uh that would that would be lovely but i literally don't know where i'm going to be sleeping you know multiple days from now so okay but i am working on remember we were talking about that you know am i ready yet i don't really know so that YouTube thing has been lingering around like day in the life. So many people want to know what it's like living in an Airstream doing this. Like I've been doing it for so long. Nobody ever sees the inside of my Airstream. Nobody ever. Um, I never share that, that side of Lift the of veil. Yeah. I just feel like it's not interesting, but everyone always says that it is. So I'm like, all right, I need to do a deep dive and go into that. So, um, so YouTube is probably my next tackle. Uh, time lapses have been, have been um, time lapses and hyperlapses. I've got some cool stuff that I've been learning on um, behind the scenes that I want to do with some some nighttime events that are coming up. Great. <clears throat> so I think, uh, yeah, just just that kind of stuff, and of course, just fine tuning teaching and and eventually putting a tutorial out there where people can actually buy and brilliant. Maybe make a little bit of money. You know, I, mean, I gotta. Yeah. Got to buy those protein bars. Yeah, man. Yeah. Do you know what? That sounds exciting. And it's something I'd recommend you to do. I mean, you know, YouTube is, it's a, it's an interesting world. Let's just say. Um, Are you it's on something, Yeah. I've, I've, I've released a video on YouTube every week since September, 2017. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And like, here's the interesting thing when I say it, and that's what I was going to say to you is um, like, I've been, you know, talking with you and, you know, you see my images and stuff like that. And everything I do, I always link to my video, but you go on my on YouTube. And that's the interesting thing is because like for me with landscape photography, there's a plethora of people out there doing landscape photography. But for you, if you're going to be doing, you know, living in an Airstream, number one, that's different. Time lapses, hyperlapses, number two and number three, different. So I'd really recommend, you know, dive into it, man, because it is something that it's yeah. quite enjoyable. And you know what the other part I find even more enjoyable is putting the video together because I enjoy that other side of creativity and putting a story together, you know, the whole lot cohesively 
the whole way through. So Dude, definitely recommend great. it. I'll, I'll send you the clips and you could put all my, my videos together. This is, this is perfect. No problem for a nominal <laughs> fee. No problem whatsoever. Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> but no, I think I de definitely, definitely uh, recommend that. So, and for now, I suppose, before you create your YouTube channel. Um, well, I've got it already. Whatever. Okay. So where can people find information on you? Yeah. So uh, KRL photo, um, Instagram, KRL underscore photo. If you look up, I think KRL photo on, on YouTube and pretty much any other social platform. That's, I try to dig my claws into, you know, Twitter and Vero and there's another, I mean, I, the list can go on and on as we know. Yes. So yes. wherever you're at, look for KRL photo. And if it's, if I'm on there, it'll be there. Um, perfect well I'll, I'll put links anyway into the show description i'll tag you as well when i'm putting these up on instagram and vero and stuff like that as well so people that will see you from the irish Doggy podcast side of things and also from my own as well but they probably know you know you've you've a lot more exposure i think as well you know it, to come when you start adding in your additional things as well so i think that the future is bright for kenny i think it's going to be Thanks, really really good yeah dude i have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation i think you know it was a long time coming i mean like i said you know yeah. february 2020 we first started chatting and you think you were i remember at the time you said yeah you know i've just parked up here in my airstream you know and i'm like jesus christ i think it was on the friday night pints or whatever one i would have had there on the the the, the, the clubhouse but that now has long since gone and twitter seems to have taken over on the twitter spaces but i can't seem to get into that i think it's different but yeah it's been a long time coming i've really really enjoyed it kenny thank you so much for coming on same man thanks for having me this was fun thanks a million and if i'm ever over that side of the states i'll definitely give you a shout for Hell sure yeah. we'll shoot some yeah. astro i'll let Absolutely. you borrow my <laughs> shiny yeah yeah i don't suffer from gas but uh, you know i think that's i i i'm sometimes do but i don't suffer from gas overall so yeah maybe you never know i'll borrow your your your, your track for sure all right so look um thank you very much to everybody for listening um until the next time like i said i've been darren thanks very much for tuning in Hey guys, if you dig what you're hearing, why don't you jump over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and don't forget to share with your friends. With all that done, we'll see you next week. And remember, keep shooting.